Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. Today is Friday, April the 27th, 2007. We're going into the phase of saving the environment in a much bigger way now because our masters have decided it for us long ago and bit by bit we will be soaked soaked which means you'll be robbed blind because whenever there's a crisis or, or a fake crisis or whatever taxations go up to, to fight the crisis whether it's a war with another country a war of the world's a war on the environment or off the environment or whatever, money is supposed to cure everything. Which is rather amazing since science supposedly hasn't been into the, the studying of the, the, the gases of the planet and pretty well anything else, supposedly, supposedly for, uh, for more than a couple of hundred years maximum. And even in the last hundred years, uh, that's when they supposedly got all their, their data to check things with, to check if we do have increasing CO2, to check to see what um, is changing in the world, in the environmental area. A short time span to be able to compare anything with, especially when the Earth supposedly has had many ice ages with warming periods in between which melts the ice then back to ice ages back and forth like a yo-yo with many, many ice ages in between and many warming periods in between this means that unless you had the records going back for thousands of years of testing at the time through all of those years you'd never come out with an accurate conclusion on anything you see this used to be taught in school that the world goes through all of these phases over many centuries and, and that uh, in a period in the Middle Ages they didn't even bother building chimneys and fires inside the houses in Britain because they had about a 200 year stretch of very very warm weather they did all their cooking outside then it started getting a bit colder again and then they started building their chimneys and on it goes up and down up and down so if, if you take away information down Orwell's memory hole as he called it in the book 1984 the next generation don't know any better they have no data and they believe the, the experts the scientists the, the, the Russellian world that they've given us and we can be convinced of anything now remember when they set up the League of Nations many books were written at the time by members of the League and supporters of the League who firmly believed that the world should be run by the experts, the intellectuals on behalf of course of the dominant minority which own all the money and all the wealth and resources and that's never changed because the League of Nations is simply like a chameleon transformed into the United Nations with the same agenda it didn't change whatsoever uh, its whole agenda in fact part of that the League of Nations had big debates on population control 
from the very beginning and have to reduce the population and that same League of Nations also came out with mandatory inoculation well what is this here what is the punch you on the left hand of your face and then the right hand then smooths your, your face with a cold rag or something then they punch you again they want to help you, they want to kill you they want to help you, they want to kill you this is, the, this is what we go back and forth with think about that for a little while but of course they wouldn't do that to you because, because you wouldn't do that to people would you? you couldn't do nasty things and plan the demise of lots of people with nefarious methods would you? No, of course you could, because you're naturally human, you're not a psychopath, but the psychopaths have no problem debating these things, but you cannot tell the little children. You've got to keep them in a fake reality that's planned for them, and the future is planned, and go into all the plans laid out at the United Nations. Read through them. They have 50-year plans, 100-year plans, 150-year plans, for the next generations that are coming up and it's always been that way even before it was the United Nations or the League of Nations the same dominant minority were still planning the world like a big business plan far ranging business plan we know the idea is to as they spray the skies you know the, the, the sky alchemists we know that they're causing weather changes and people who've been noting this over the last few years and documenting it have plenty of evidence on it I see it myself I've been doing the same documentation and yeah they're causing changes they do control the weather as the US Air Force stated about a year or two years ago in the major newspapers they would shortly own not just control but own the weather well they do you see it's done and they can stampede the sheep in the fields into any pen, any direction they want them to go by alchemy, the aerial alchemy that goes on every day across the whole planet because they must convince us all to change our way of living into a planned system like family planning they started with family planning which was a fuzzy term for abortion by the way it sounded very user-friendly family planning family is a nice word plan is good to plan things so family planning together who'd have thought it meant abortion now they want global planning global planning identification cards ID ideal design cards you see for you and they want us to be ideally designed as well by experts my goodness why not because we're just too silly to do it the old-fashioned way and they have made the old-fashioned way they're rather dysfunctional now because no one can get along with anyone else that's been instilled into the last generation so how do they get us into the stampede apart from all the propaganda that comes out from famous players and names every country has is identical in the system that they use to project the ideas to the public they always have a famous person who you grow up with and gives you nature talks and, and talks about the nice animals 
and the fishes in the sea and the birdies in the air. And then gradually they become the vocal expert, they become your national expert on big problems that are coming and what we should do about it and how we should behave towards these problems and how we should react to them and what has to be done to save us all. Every country has copied Britain because they always do it first. And, and they also do it in culture first too. I should go into that in a little bit maybe because you have no idea that even the television programs you enjoy were first done in Britain with different actors, same scripts slightly altered though same stories in the scripts but slightly altered for each culture like Archie Bunker for the US started in Britain long before Archie Bunker came along with the same format, same family same son-in-law living at home with a daughter to get ideas across to you preparing you for a world to come which is now here in Britain they called it just ALF didn't last too long it didn't go over well with the British public then they came out with Three's Company which I think in Britain was called Robin's Nest initially with English actors same script, same stories same series just slightly altered for the American culture and other countries got their own idea of the same thing because they all follow the lead of London and Tavistock we're programmed through fiction so yeah we also have the same superstars they create these superstars that are really nobody's except that they belong to all the right organizations and societies some of them do have some connections of birth with extreme wealth and there are other geneticists like David Suzuki in Canada and they're also at the same time connected to world wildlife funds which Prince Philip is ahead of a man who really loves the working class if you go back through the comments he made about the British public and the working British public over the, the last 30 odd years we should start getting the message when the wolves pretend they're speaking on our behalf they want us into these habitat areas these massive cities actually for the masses of people while the wealthy and the bureaucratic elite will live in the brand new habitat areas with all the high-tech solar etc and guards around the perimeter and they already have that in some countries the guards and all to keep the riffraff away you understand you look at most of the science fiction movies that big messages like Soylent Green that was taken from a book called Make Room, Make Room that was the first title it had it was a pro-depopulation uh, author who wrote the book but in the story he had a good, had a good little uh, titillation of grabbing your attention as to what the elite could do to you by making you eat each other uh, sort of reconstituted meat which would be taken from the dead and fed back to the people who were all crammed together 
in these big habitat areas called the old cities living on top of each other almost and the sky was always dull it was smoggy polluted and they didn't know there was a vast open world out there outside their city they thought everything was the same they were taught there was nothing outside there except destruction and dead matter no living green of any kind or birds etc the movies even when we enjoy them and even when they have good points also have the predictive programming contained within there was another movie called Blade Runner with Harrison Ford very good story because they always give us a good grabber to get us into the story you look at most of the stuff that Britain exports it's primarily little silly little BBC productions or Thames television ones on murders there's more murders committed nightly on the screens of Britain than probably was ever committed in its history it's all on television and the pathetic little stories really all copying each other the whodunit type thing it intrigues the public and they sit there and watch it and then get downloaded with all the other little things innuendos etc along the way without realising it well that's, that's why predictive programming works so the one with Harrison Ford Blade Runner has a future not too far away again a totalitarian system and every scene in the movie outside is always raining there's never ever a time you see outside where it's not raining it's always pouring rain that's getting you used to an idea you see and even that movie had to do with uh, a new type of human that was scientifically created genetically obviously from original human genes modified, altered to be superior for for physical strength and all that kind of stuff so they're predicting uh, and programming us at the same time they predict our behavior by making it familiar the idea familiar so when it happens in reality we sort of accept it because it is familiar to us the whole idea is familiar as though it's inevitable that's the whole thing to make it seem inevitable to the public and nothing is inevitable if we participate in our own destinies that's, that's the antidote to all of this so many movies out there many many movies and novels it's through everything I've even heard it's in romance stories the same kind of thing everything is programming us for a near future now remember the elite long ago even with the with the Cecil Road Foundation that set up the Road Scholarships and joined with the Milner Round Table Group they're all one now have been for a long time they attend all the, the United Nations meetings and they sit and have little problems given to each big table big group and they debate it and they're debating our futures we elect none of these people and they even debate how to get the public to go along with it the great unwashed masses as they're called the profane those who in Freemasonry believe 
the profane are those in the darkness, those who swallowed the con game. They've swallowed their indoctrination without realizing it, without knowing. Those are supposedly the profane. They're not quick enough to see through it, according to the higher elite. And it is certainly almost all pervasive. How do you get the public to change their entire way of doing things, of viewing their existence, and, and even thinking about a purpose to existence? There are many movies out there, churned out all the time. It's one of the biggest exports of the United States of America because they were chosen by the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations to give the world its culture at meetings they held in England back in the, the 60s and into the 70s. That's why you can go to any country on the planet and watch young lost men with baggy pants with their crotches at their knees and their hats on sideways or backwards. It all came from the same culture industry. So how did they get us all into these habitat areas? Well, it's mainly the banging of cymbals and the beating of drums and increasing indoctrination via television and quips from major news people on TV and experts, of course, and all these little documentaries they do on crisis the coming crisis in the planet by experts of course telling you all this sort of stuff that's really all theoretical and theories are wonderful things you can juggle them like a juggler jugs balls you can just throw them up in the air and keep tossing them around in circles until those who listen are completely confused and believe the person because it's so, it's so beyond them that they can't make head nor tail of it so it must be true as this man stares at you on television and tells you all these things, this pseudo-scientific uh, drama that's played out every day now. And every country is on a roll. They all have departments set up to sell you this, to market all this to you. They've all signed the Kyoto Agreement. And no citizen of any country, by the way, uh, like the general public, I mean, had any vote or say in this we, we have none at all it's just that the elite from the, a long time ago decided like the Cecil Road Foundation they had to take over the world's natural resources, that's all resources, that's everything which is sustainable for you, it keeps you living they would take it all over and we're seeing the method that they're using gradually escalate into existence They've had a whole generation growing up with massive propaganda at school. And children, let's be honest, you parrot things because that's what's expected of you at school. You parrot what you're told and you get a little gold star and a pat on the head. They don't know anything else. They parrot. They mimic, as the big boys say. Here's an example I'm going to read here of the agenda and how it's put out across to the public this is from the, the Sudbury Star which I think may be a part of the chain of the Toronto Star and others you always have suns and stars and they don't have any moons you notice 
because that's feminine they don't like that the, uh, the masons that is that run this whole system this is from Friday April the 27th 2007 today front page Toronto it says the door was firmly closed on the Kyoto Treaty Thursday as the Conservative government heralded it its own that's how you'll get it too in Australia you'll see it, it's your own as well its own wide-ranging environmental plan one that it says will save billions in health costs and only marginally affect the Canadian economy <laughs> dubbed Turning the Corner Turning the Corner very Masonic eh? old right angle there the strategy focuses equally on reducing greenhouse gas emissions and improving air quality a favourite issue of Prime Minister Stephen Harper who suffered from childhood asthma of course he got that from his inoculations but he's not supposed to tell you what causes it he'll, he'll by the way will probably get a higher um, treatment than the public will ever know about because they do have them everything from the efficiency of household dishwashers to the carbon dioxide emissions of Alberta's oil sands will fall under new regulations over the next several years the Kyoto and it says Canadian households will also get hit in the pocketbook oh there's the bad news but after all it's a war to save us all isn't it it's a war to save us all and that we're also terrified and running around crazy and terrified that the sky is falling that's from the aerial spraying mind you they don't mention that part they can go ahead with it and it says when you hit in the pocketbook with prices for appliances cars and electricity expected to rise slightly now remember the UN Habitat agenda if you look into it agenda 21 look it up agenda 21 and you'll see that these habitat areas uh, will have no private property and no private vehicles that's the agenda they have to get all vehicles off the road in a post-industrial era and post-technological era we are, we are actually in the west post-technological it's all been done in the east almost anyway all been done in the east and they've got to get us all off the road now we don't have to travel to, to these uh, work we don't want urban sprawl urban sprawl now if they want to give urban sprawl a nice name they could have called it something else just like family planning and uh, as his cars and electricity expected to rise slightly rise slightly what a joke this is going to terrify you still the government promised the plan would mean only a 0.5% dip in the GDP which would raise gas prices by only 6% now we're already paying through the nose for this stuff and remember that the biggest supporters this is an interesting point this is not in the paper here the biggest supporters of all of this new feudal system, this feudal system that Professor Carl Quigley talks about was to be run by these new feudal overlords who would be the CEOs of the big international corporations. These corporations are the biggest backers of this whole Kyoto and Green movement to give massive funding to it he goes on to say still the government promised the plan would mean a 0.5% dip in GDP raised gas prices by only 6% and would have a negligible impact on jobs our 
plan strikes a balance. You strike your, your military talk here. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed. Our plan strikes a balance between and a balance. There's a balance, Masonic balance again too, between the perfection that some environmentalists might be seeking and the status quo that some in industry seek to protect. Said environmental minister John Beard, and they have a picture of him there. And I think he's started shaving now. I think maybe he's got his little green pin on too. And it says Canadians, Canadian, he's now, here's how it's promoted. You'll see this in New Zealand, Australia, across Europe. You'll hear that British demanded it, and you'll hear that everybody demands it, even though you're getting it whether you like it or not, and there's no one to speak for you, except that the authorized non governmental organizations that get funded by the big corporations. Canadians demand leadership from their government for both a clean environment and a growing economy. They love these little slogans that Lenin talked about the measures represent months of work by the Tories, months of work not just to make them seem they've actually rolled up their sleeves and done something and sweated and that will be the day who realised by the end of last year that the environment had exploded in the Canadian consciousness Mike, did you realise that it just exploded in the Canadian consciousness, now where would we get that all from I wonder where it all came from Yep, with former Environment Minister Stephanie Dion. See, they always give you the, the left-right nonsense um, who slag each other because they're allowed to do that. And again, Carl Quigley talked about that method. Uh, the ones on the different parties on the lower orders are allowed to compete to a certain extent. He said that a certain extent with each other. But the ones at the top are already approved. They all belong to the one main system. They've been vetted. Now listen to how they word things, you see. So Stephanie Dion, the new liberal leader, who's supposed to be in opposition to this present bunch, and figures like Al Gore, Al Gore, you see who's been uh, put up there, and David Suzuki, that's our environmentalist. Nobody voted him in either. He just got back that fame by appearing on television every week with a show on nature. The guy who also talked about the need to kill off so many thousands per day to save the environment and the world. Uh, so, so it says here, figuratively, Al Gore and David Suzuki achieving rock star status. Well, you can make anything a rock star or give anybody status by just saying so through the same media over and over again. That's how it's done. Nothing less than a complete overhaul of their policy was in order. Their challenge, the challenge, like challenge and challengers and things, their challenge now is to sell their scheme, sell their scheme, remember, as one that is tough enough on polluters. It's going to be a big, big crime now, big crime. Well, the oil and gas industry called the emission targets the toughest in the world, and that's your left, uh, right uh, nonsense again, <coughs> because, as I say, the big companies, corporations are the biggest funders to the foundations and to these big authorized non-governmental organizations that pretend they're speaking and demanding on your behalf while the oil and gas industry call them the toughest in the world environment groups and opposition politicians decried the plan as one that failed to deliver on the pressing issue of global warming what they have announced today is not a plan it's a scam said Dion anyway I don't want to go into her diatribe because if, if it was the other party uh, then this, this guy Beard would be saying the same thing because the, the same speechwriters write their little quotes for them. It says the Harper Conservatives will also have to persuade Canadians, persuade us, 
that moving away from the Kyoto Treaty was unavoidable given the situation they found on taking office. What we are representing today doesn't meet Kyoto if today was 1997, but the reality is that I didn't decide to do nothing. That's good, devil one. I didn't decide to do nothing in 1997, Baird said. I can't take responsibility for 10 lost years. The strategy has two major components dealing with the major industrial emitters of greenhouse gases and clearing the air of smog and other pollutants. See Plan A2, that's for, that's for people like me. See Plan A2, that's the page they're talking about here. Plan, big letters, two big bold letters, P-L-A-N, yep. It's a plan. Predicts billions in health savings. So they say this, your con again, we're going to get soaked for trillions, but we'll save billions. You wouldn't know these guys own all the big shops, do you? The government predicts that improving air quality will save the country $6 billion annually in health costs. Well, when have they ever predicted anything and been right on it with it comes to money? Companies that belch smog-producing pollutants will face tougher regulations than those that emit greenhouse gases. Reductions of sulfur oxide, for example, will have to attain a reduction of 55% by 2015, and the targets will be firm limits. The provinces already largely manage such pollutants. Meanwhile, industries that emit a lot of carbon dioxide will face a reduction of 26% by the same year. And targets will be based on their level of production rather than a firm limit. That so-called intensity target is one, the main difference between the government proposes and what the opposition environments have rallied against or railed against here. This means that pollution can go up as long as the intensity goes down, said Aaron Freeman. This guy's from Environmental Defense. That's another authorized non-governmental organization that pretends to speak on behalf of the public while they get funding from the big boys. Well, the environment doesn't care about intensity. It cares about absolute amounts of pollution. Dale Marshall of the David Suzuki Foundation, Foundation, you see, Said the plan. So this guy who gave us all our nature programs and is telling us all how we've got to live in the future, and he said it blatantly on television here, how we must all live. It has that foundation. Uh, said the plan amounts to Canada reneging on its international commitments. In other words, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not tough enough. If this is the plan moving forward, then essentially Canada has abandoned Kyoto, he said. That's what they always say. Pierre Alvarez, president of the Canadian Association of Petroleum, Petroleum Producers, took a different view. These targets are the toughest targets the oil and gas industry is going to face anywhere in the world, he said. The Tories promised to reduce the gas emissions by 20% over 2006 levels by 2020. The Kyoto commitment was to reduce by 6% over 1990 levels by 2012. 2012 from the from the United Nations Kyoto Agreement. Remember that, that number, 2012. The Mayan calendar, eh? Have <laughs> a joke. The gap is between 40 and 50% according to environmental groups. The government did not endorse those figures. So they play the numbers rackets, you see, to confuse the public. So what you're going to see, what you're going to see here is a massive increase uh, and the public will pay until we can't pay any more. Now, on the front page again, going back to it, above this picture of this, this fellow with his green pin, 
in his black and gold tie, sort of black and yellow. It must be like two different lodges there, and the green one, because they have the, all those plus the red lodge. They've got a picture, a graph of change in energy prices by the Federal Air Emissions Plan. And it starts off at 2010. Aha, 2010, Arthur C. Clarke, you see. The Nobel winner, the big guy who did 2001, 2010. Another one is, I think it's 3000 something, giving us our whole future. Very high Mason, though. Race good stories. He's a better predictive programmer than most. But they have a chart here of, of a graph up to the year 2020. So 2010, they're not going to hit us that hard because they're up, we've already had about three or four increases in the last year in gasoline and heating oil and all the usual stuff and electricity. By 2011, it, it kind of doubles. It's still just above the 0 to 1%. 2012 is about the same so they're going to give us a big one in 2011 and drag it out over two years that's what that means to 2012 and but 2013 between 2012 and 2013 it jumps from almost negligible on the 0% scale up to 1 and about 1 or probably up to 1.5% across the board on everything this is a big thing. And then it just escalates from 2013 up. Doubles pretty well. And it's like looking at a graph of the side of Mount Everest. It just goes way up to a rocket ship by 2020. Which means that really no one's going to be driving. or like You'd be lucky to heat yourself with a candle by the way. And you may get a SWAT team coming because of the gases you're emitting by that time, by 2020 and that could be no exaggeration anything can be made to be believed as the big boys keep telling us in their dusty old books in the libraries and that's, that's basically it that's the Sudbury Star part of a conglomerate, I believe like the Toronto Star and so on and I can't see the rest of it because of all the ads and I can't be bothered looking through it I seldom read a paper you get all the same data and all the other main media because they're all connected to the one it's all from one source that's why you can flick through television stations if you have cable, I don't and at news time you're getting the same stories in the same format nothing added, nothing subtracted to make sure we all get the same propaganda and, and that is the world we're living in the drum rolls are on they're going to really come at it like to save us they have to kill us and shortly you'll have little children like Orwell's 84 in fact I think they're already here but they'll get, probably give them little uniforms and you'll be a thought criminal or, or a combustion criminal or, or a candle heater criminal you see and they will really think they're doing the right thing through their brainwashing, their scientific brainwashing at school when they turn people in. And, and maybe daddy will be a secret cigarette smoker who grows his own tobacco. And I'll have SWAT teams for that too. Because nothing, nothing is too fantastic anymore. Anything could be made to happen. Who would have thought, really, that 
you get fined for having a cigarette in the open air. Yet it's happening in some cities now. A cigarette. And once they had really come down on... And again, that was pushed by authorised NGOs that were funded both by the government and the big foundations. Now, why is the government funding, funding people to pretend to give a voice to the general public who initially didn't care at all? Now they do care because they've all had so much propaganda on it. You can make the public react Pavlovian style to anything. Anything, any topic, any idea. Orwell talked about a future. In 1984, that was published first in 1948, he called the book himself the last man, meaning the last sentient person that could think and see, see through all the chronology that the pathocracy and psychopathocracy had created the power freaks who chuckle as they control masses of people he wrote about a time which was unthinkable back then in 1948 where women's armies would be created they'd wear a sash to show that they were they were complete in their belief in their indoctrination in, in the need to separate males from females and on every level Breeding had to be authorised by the government. And children turned their parents in as thought criminals, where the elite lived with everything at their disposal. They had all the goods they wanted, all the luxuries they wanted. The peasantry lived with perpetual war. That's how you control people perpetual war. We tend to think of war as physical clashes of armies. Most wars are not. Most revolutions are not either. It's a revolution in thinking and in doing that must be propagated to the public and marketed to them incessantly, at least for a generation, for it to take effect. And these have the biggest effects, more so than two or three or four or five year wars. The United States government, along with Britain and other ones, had wars on crime and, and wars on abuse and wars on yada, 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 each war creating a vast new tier of government from the top, of federal government down to the bottom. More administration, more control freaks to control people's lives, all the way down the ladder, always under a good guise. As Brooke said, there's always a, a very good reason given to the public. He says, but then there's the real reason which the public are not given for everything that's introduced. Same with this Kyoto. And look at the terminology is always Canadians demand. We've heard that so many times when they want something through. Canadians demand. Britain's heard it, all the European countries have heard it it was the same with the European Union when they gave us a, a pretense vote and people came back and said no, we don't want it 
They just came back again. They told you the old. This is a story they left for you with a computer too. You'll be left behind. If your child doesn't get a computer, he'll be left behind. It was the same little thing they used with the unifications. If you don't join now financially, your country will go down the tubes and you'll be left behind. You won't be in the free trade zone. The old John D. plan from the 1500s. And they'll come up with the same stuff for the North American Union, which has already actually taken place. They must put on a formality for the public while they tax you for the present wars abroad before they grudgingly and, and, and calmly, you know, bit by bit, feed you a truth, getting you used to a new way of living. Orwell's girlfriend that he met in 84, Julia, luckily was the last woman who also could see through the cons. And she went along with the uniform of the, the ultra, ultra, ultra radical feminists because you couldn't, you had to pretend you were robotic like the rest of the public to, to survive. You couldn't have even a smile at the wrong time because you're all on camera. Wherever you went, you were on camera. You were watched and analysed for little giveaways, you see. That world is rapidly here, coming here. It's, it's pretty well here. You're always the last to know. Even when they say they're working on something and going to do something, you know they've already done it and have done it probably quite some time ago under the Enchilon programs and all the new programs with Total Information Network no one has privacy anymore in communication it isn't there at all and I don't care what the little boys think with their programs they can hack this and hack that and get around it by encrypting things you can buy encrypting programs Nothing can be sold to the public by law. And I think it's from 1995 onwards. Nothing can be sold to the public. No program can be sold to the public that blocks out governmental agencies' access to that communications device. Phone, fax, computer, whatever. Maybe even smoke signals. I've talked to many people from the ex-Soviet countries who came to the West and now they're all terrified because they see it all here the same techniques, the same associations the same non-governmental organizations with massive funding demanding from the government what the government wants them to demand that's why they're authorized to be your official non-governmental organization it was one of the big meetings to do with the, the GATT treaty held I think in South America Latin America somewhere a few years ago where students went down by buses and everything else to protest it as always and we got kind of used to that as a big cops dressed in all their ninja outfits and batons and tear gas went into the crowds of our children and we munched away there thinking well uh, uh, I guess they're too radical and inside it was stated at the time 
they'd have to eventually bring in the non-governmental organizations. That was always the plan, of course. And now those big protests have sort of dwindled away now that the non-governmental organizations are represented alongside the big feudal overlords of our brand new public-private system. I noticed so much travelling across Europe and other parts of the world a long time ago. Not that long ago, really. But I noticed that laws were getting passed in Britain. You went to another country in Europe and found them passing the same laws there, never mentioning that it was happening elsewhere. So people thought it was a local thing, a national thing. And we've been run internationally for a long, long time. That's just the plain fact. We've been given the same types of superstars to lead us in the Green Movement and Madeleine Albright, some of them called her Half-Bright, a stony-faced woman who I think was in when Bill Clinton was in. She's now at the UN, I believe. Was asked on television at the time when they were starving Iraq into submission it's a strange thing they're after one man supposedly in his little coterie around them and so they starve the population they cut off the food supply and medical care to the whole population to make Saddam the psychopath give up you think about it eh? and they killed thousands and thousands of people men, women and children never mind all the cruise missiles that Billy Boy was having sent over there Uh and Madeleine Albright was asked on television when they quoted the, the casualty figures through death and starvation and sickness, they could get no antibiotics and stuff. If, if all this was worth it to get this country to give up. And she stone-facedly said, absolutely. A real psychopath. Good credentials for the United Nations to speak on behalf of the public. Definitely. That's what we live in, is a big pathocracies. The psychopathocracies come together globally, the big club at the top. Those who, by the Darwinian standards of social Darwinism, have achieved the highest heights of dominance and prominence by looting, stealing and murdering through generations of accumulation for their own family wealth. That's the reality of it. That's the sad reality of it all. Kings and queens, up until around the 1500s, and some countries later too, had a romantic history written about them. That was standard in all countries. The historians had to rub out all the bad bits of a person's career as a king and glorify him as being a, a lovable king, a lovable king by all the people, or a queen. be no difference. And all the nasty bits were rubbed out of history. Little, little bits were left here and there, but they, most of it was rubbed out and whitewashed to make them seem so caring about their position and, and worrying about the people and trying to help them. And nothing was so far from the truth because they all got their starts with families that killed their neighbours and accumulated more land and territory until they got up there. That's, that's the social Darwinistic system. 
which prospers in a monetary system. It, it can go on no other way. And when money takes over humanity and humanitarian ways of living, which is pre-money, with money and accumulation of money, you can also starve others to death if you hold the money banks and you hold all the resources and all the necessities for living all that you need to live on is coming under this strange umbrella of the one, the UN and the new feudal overlords the CEOs of international corporations that belong to dozens of boards each one sits on dozens of boards to plan your life and the children's lives now since this is only one report that goes through to 2000 I think it's 2020 they have other plans ranging to 2030, 2050 they, they don't seem too worried about a comet hitting us or planet X or rushing through a photon belt and that's the key to all the other disinformation they soak us with to terrify us but what they do plan is to have their own families running the show their own descendants in the near and distant future that's how it's always been I seldom get people who criticize the topics and the way I present them to the public I had one maybe in the last few months who listened to me on a show he says what a downer I was so depressed I didn't bother answering but I, I could tell him to go back and listen to Dreamland because that's for the new age they don't want to look at the negative negative. and when you don't look at the negative guess what it accumulates like debt and one day it hits you busy week I'm sure it's the same with everyone out there I get to know so many people through their mail and it's good to know there are so many people outside this little area that are awake and coming up to speed very quickly on other topics as well and spreading the information they receive to others this has to be headed off at the pass as they say before it comes down full tilt and we're living in straight jackets because that's exactly where we're going this war on to save the environment is, going to, is the granddaddy of all wars it's the big one they've planned for a long long time to take over our living our, our own decision making into their own hands because we're all too silly little nincompoops to do it responsibly ourselves and life isn't always so dull for me and I'm sure for you too we've got to keep some sense of humour going and we've got to also enjoy ourselves once in a while tonight I'm strutting out with Hamish we're going to a party now this is a party in the woods up here in the boonies 
the party's been held for the old moose. The moose is a big fella, great big fella, who's liked by all the other animals. There's only one time in the year you keep out his way. He's a bit surly, and that's in the rutting season. But the rest of the time he's placid as can be. A bit of a loner. And it's his birthday. So he survived 15 years without people from the city coming up and shooting him to get his head mounted on their wall. So we're all getting together up there to have a little shindig and getting dressed up for it. I pulled out my best jeans. I might even put a crease in them if I can scrape the rust off my smoothing iron. Well, there is one patch on the back, but no one's going to notice that, right? And a, a clean shirt. And I'll even comb my hair as well. And give Hamish a brush. I've got to look good for this one. Now, all the other animals come along. You see? And each one sings a song, which is really amusing because, and entertaining too, because each character has got its own type of song. And the moose being a loner, he's got this deep, deep bass voice. He sings, he sings very low. You see? And it's very melodious. Nice, nice it is. And then there's different acts come on. You get, um, you get the rabbits come along and, and they, they, they can pound the ground like drums. They're good drummers. And that's entertaining. Then there's a beaver. There's two beaver come, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And they do a, a sort of flamenco dance. And the male, he starts gnawing around a tree. And it sounds just like castanets as he chomps away there with those big teeth. And his wife dances around. And at the end, she joins them. And they just flick the tree with their tails and it falls right over and lands exactly where they want it to land it's a great act it's the best act in the forest actually now there's a little thing we have here too because we've also got the squirrels we've got the squirrels who do a trapeze act above our heads really good the way they can do that and synchronize themselves and catch each other but when you're looking up you know you be careful because the squirrels belong to a little fraternity and they have they have um, magpies in this fraternity too the birds and they also have little ferrets little ferrets which are really weasels again in this brotherhood you see so we know they're there and they know have this, they've got the secret oaths and stuff and and they, they hold little secret meetings in the forest and do all silly little things and jump over goats and all that in their ceremonies. And they have a, a charitable face to them. And once in a blue moon, they'll throw some nuts to someone that needs them. But we know that they're scammer actors too because you're watching these squirrels, the fraternity guys, and your head's up and looking up at them in the trees. And, and you find that these ferrets, they get into your pockets and they loot you. They rob you blind. The other part of this fraternity. You've got the ferrets, you've got the squirrels, and the magpies. And the ferrets pass on what they, what they steal at your pockets to the magpies that fly it up to the, to the squirrels that then dump it in these little holes up in the tree. They squirrel it away, yeah. And I tell you, the last time I went there, 
you lose all the, your, your valuable possessions, things that guys really, really need when they put their hands in their pockets. You know, pieces of string, elastic bands that are falling apart, you know, the old pocket knife that had a broken blade and one day you're going to fix and grind and sharpen. You know, all these little things, nuts and bolts, that you'll use one day again. But anyway, about a good shindig. And Hamish and I are leaving shortly once we're all brushed up and ready to go. So from two sharp-looking guys, Hamish and myself, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.